Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 29. I'm your host, Chris Morales. Thank you so much for joining me again. And it's been a minute since we've had a conversation, right? Nothing's happened since, right? There's been no draft. There's been no wild free agency. Like, none of that has happened. Of course not. No, no. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about specifically all the havoc that has gone down uh, we're going to skip over the draft because I just we don't have enough time to talk about everything today. We're going to focus on the trades and NHL free agency. It's absolutely weird. It was it's been weird, right? Twenty twenty has been weird itself, right? Let's not let's not get confused about that. But it's been real weird waking up in October and not having any hockey, right? I mean, I think I've I went on my Facebook like a million times in October, and all the memories are just me. Um, Right, the cat, the the Green Day kind of felt right. Wake me up when September ends, right? And then hockey, and then I see all these statuses of like opening night, and you know, the Habs and Leafs going at it in Game One, and there's none of that now. <laughs> there has been none of that. This is a wild year, and instead, we have free agency, right? July first, but in October, that was a wild one. We're gonna break down everything that's gone on so far. Uh, we're going to focus a lot on the Montreal Canadiens because boy has Mark Bergevin been busy AF. He's done some good things. He's done some bad things. I'm going to talk about both equally ish. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, we're going to go through a lot of the trades signings. Let's take a look at some teams that did stuff. Well, let's tackle trades to start first. Okay. Now, obviously these have been a while, right? But we're just going to go through some of these here a little bit, you know, a little bit quickly. Uh, we're going to start with the Patrick Hornfist deal, right? So Patrick Hornfist going from Pittsburgh to Florida. Florida sending Colton Sevier, Michael Matheson the other way. Um, look, Florida is is what they are, right? I guess it's a they add a player, um, which is good. We're going to talk about another signing that went on later, right? The Dodonov deal. So that kind of I guess balances out now. You add Hornfist, you get rid of the Dodonov, kind of balances out. It's going to be interesting to see where Patrick Hornquist fits into that Florida lineup. But, I mean, I'm going to look at this as well from a fantasy perspective, right? If you play fantasy hockey, you know, anytime you get a player moving away from Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, it's going to be tough. Hornquist is getting a little bit older as well. So, I don't know how he's going to do in Florida, but Penn's... You know, they needed some depth. Obviously, they got that and what they need. Um, next here, Mark Stahl went to Detroit. I mean, Detroit has some money, so they need to spend. The Rangers were able to move a contract. Um, they will get future considerations, whatever that means. It must suck being a player and being traded for future considerations. I've always thought that, regardless of the sport. Um because, oh, segue, speaking of sports. Anyways, I'll finish this thought and then I'll have another one. Um, like, imagine being traded and saying, hey, take this guy and we'll decide later if we actually want anything for him. Like, that absolutely sucks. Um, but yeah, before we keep going here, congratulations. I know because it's been that long, right? Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup winners. That's right. Give yourself a round of applause if you are a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Also, shout out to the Dallas Stars as well, man. You guys did what you had to do. You took the league by surprise. Definitely took me. Um, If you read my breakdown of the Stanley Cup Finals and who I predicted to win over at thefantasyfix.com, 
Uh, I had Dallas. And the key where I wasn't sure how this was going to go down for them was the health of Steven Stamkos. We now know he played the most important three minutes of hockey. What was it, in game three? That goal just... I felt like it was a turning point in that series. Easy to say that now. But this Tampa Bay Lightning team was built to win. And there are not, there are actually, I don't think there are any teams that can win without their captain, right? Let alone win a Stanley Cup. Like what Tampa Bay did, and look, there are haters everywhere, right? Kind of saying that Stamkos just kind of, you know, he wins the Stanley Cup, didn't earn it. Like he he was hurt and he still tried as hard as he could. We now know what the injuries are. And it's amazing that he was even able to play. Just even if it was three minutes in that first period. He did enough to help his team win. Like the morale boost that you get from that. Is just. It was more than enough to get Tampa Bay where they needed. Obviously Nikita Kucherov. Braden Point. Victor Hedman. Vasilevsky. Like these are some big guys who stepped up. And got the job done. Specifically Braden Point. Like I think at this point. No pun intended. I do believe that where we are now. Braden Point should be considered an elite centerman in the NHL. Not just good. But elite. Because what he did in the playoffs. Was on a whole other level. So kudos to the Tampa Bay Light. And like I said. Same thing to the Dallas Stars man. That's a team that got over, you know, reading back the injuries that, you know, Ben had. the inj- I mean, Tyler Sagan was literally ripped apart. Now we know why he couldn't do anything in the playoffs. I mean, the, the man was falling apart, literally. here. <laughs> but the way Hudobin stepped in and just, you know, took over and this team going all the way to where they went. Joel Pavelski, man, what a playoffs he had. So... I know it's easy to say, you know, you lost, but you did well. You didn't come home with anything. You spent two months basically locked up in a hotel and you come home with nothing. Like, that sucks. Absolutely agree. But, man, I mean, Dallas is a better team than I think a lot of people want to give them credit for. So, you know, shout out to them, man. You did it. All right. That was my segue I wanted to get there. Let's keep going here. Uh, Minnesota and San Jose got together for two different deals. Ryan Donato one way. I don't think that means anything. Don't worry about it. I was really interested. This was a really, this was a like a moment for me when they sent Devin Dubnik to San Jose. Now, Minnesota did retain 50% of that money, okay, Since which the Sharks needed to be done. It, I can't wait for the dumpster fire that is going to be Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones in goal. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at FuzzyChris91, you know I am the president CEO of the Martin Jones Not a Fan Club page. Like, Martin Jones is a trash can. And now he has a second trash can joining him in Devin Dubnik. That's going to be an awesome timeshare to watch. Like, which goalie sucks less? Because the San Jose Sharks, first of all, their lineup... I mean, it's got some holes, let's be honest, right? Um, their goaltending situation, not good. And they've added a veteran goalie that isn't going to make them better. They've taken on money. And, I mean, look, these two can fight over who's going to start. But quite frankly, I, I, 
I don't like any of those goalies. I think it was interesting that San Jose wanted to add Devin Dubnik. I think they knew they had to because, you know, Martin Jones is not getting it done. But to say, hey, Devin Dubnik's the guy we need to trade for. That's a bold strategy. Minnesota, good for them, man. They unload a contract that they don't need. And they unload a player. They save some money. Yeah, you got to hold 50% of it. But, hey, you do what you got to do. Next trade here, this is one that we're going to get on Bergevin's list. The Columbus Blue Jackets trade Josh Anderson. Max Domi goes the other way. Now, on the surface, on the surface, I didn't like this trade. I was very vocal about not liking it. Time kind of gave me some chance to settle in here. And I said, okay. Now, I have nothing against Josh Anderson, okay? But, and I understand the conversation here. This trade works out for both teams in the sense that Columbus needed a centerman when they bought out Wenberg. The Montreal Canadiens need a winger, okay? It is this, now, Josh Anderson fits the Mark Bergevin narrative, which is a big boy to play wing. We Now, a lot of people say, yeah, but he's a big guy. And, and I get that, okay? I understand that. I also look at the players who led the playoffs in scoring, right? Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point, not very big boys. So I'm saying to myself, you don't necessarily need big bodies in the corner. You don't need this. That's not the team you're built to play. The Montreal Canadiens are not a rough and tough team. Okay, they're built to be fast. They're built to be speed. I want to see just how fast Josh Anderson can keep up here. Because then Montreal decided to give him some money. And they gave him seven years at $5.5 million. And I'm sitting there going, wow, did you really have to give him that much money for that term? And look, Bergevin likes to salivate at the idea of having a big winger. Okay, On paper, this is a guy who I've been told who can score goals, which is fine. He has not been healthy as well. Okay. I'm going to discredit everything he did last season because he played 26 games. He had four points. He was hurt. Doesn't matter. Okay. He has one good. He had one good season. Okay. Of 27 goals. Now, the question here is can Josh Anderson be a 30 goal scorer in the NHL? If so, then your $5.5 million is well spent. He's going to get you 30 goals and maybe pick up, you know, 20 assists. You get 50 points from a $5.5 million guy. I mean, fine. I'm okay with that. He's done it once, okay? That's a lot of term to lock off to a guy who could end up being trash three years down the road. Why? Because he's 6'6", if I got the stats here correct, 6'3", 222. So you're signing a big boy and saying, hey, we think he can be this. Well, you thought that with Max Domi and now you shift him out a couple years later. So, Let's see how this contract ends because this could very well end up being like Carl Alsner who was bought out and say, hey, maybe this isn't what it was. Maybe Josh Anderson isn't that great. I'm not 100% sold on this guy. He's 26 years old. This is the prime for him, okay? He has now played, I mean, I'll discredit the first season where he played six games, okay? And, uh, okay, I'll just get a discredit the second season where I only played 12. He has played, he, he in the last three of the four years, he's played over 60 games. So that's fine. He does get hurt. Now, I'm not going to label him injury prone because that's that, that's a term that gets thrown out there. Okay. Apparently, in Montreal Canadiens, 
asked for his medical records. The doctors say his shoulder's fine. We're about to find out. And if anything, we have seven years to find out just how good and healthy that shoulder is. But, like I said, that was a very interesting deal to give him. Very interesting. Because you gave him a boatload of money. Okay? He had his entry-level deal, which was very, very, you know, entry-level. He signed a right. He's, he 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 was coming off a three-year deal that paid him 1.85, and now you're giving him 5.5 for seven years. And in reality, I haven't seen much. Now I'm gonna flip over to the Max Domi side. Here's why I say this, by the way. Okay, I say this because Max Domi, regardless of what you want to think of him, okay, if you want to think this is you know that Montreal wanted him out of there, probably they did. Is he a problem player? I don't know. Okay. We'll figure you figure that out as you go here. Okay. But here's the thing for him, right? He signs his deal as well. He signs a two year deal at $5.3 million. So on paper, he's $200,000 cheaper than Anderson. And it's only for two years, not for seven. Now, so Columbus gets a centerman that they need. Pierre-Luc Dubois is their top center. Max Nomi can slide into that second role center, which is where he should have been anyways. Utilizing Max Domi on the fourth line is how you get him to not produce in the playoffs, right? I know, shocking here, but let's go through this. He is one season removed from 72 points, okay? Josh Anderson and Max Domi, I am very much well aware that they are not the same type of players. Now, Max Domi as well has only one season of right of 72 points. He's Is he a 50-point guy? Or is he a 70-point guy? Well, again, we're going to find out. Now he's going to a John Tortorella system. That's a much more structured system. It's much more defensive. I do think that he's going to get the option to, to play a lot. Okay? And that's going to be good for him. He's going to play with some of the best players. Okay? Because burying him on a fourth line with whoever else, with Dale Weiss and Paul Byron, is, is not how you're going to maximize it. Okay? In my mind, you could have given him a, a very nice... Third, I mean, here's how I would treat this. I would probably move Suzuki to a wing spot just because he can play it. Domi doesn't want to play the wing. Fine, let's accommodate him for a bit. Then you figure it out. Like I said, I've eased my stance here a little bit. But I find it weird that Montreal is just shipping players out who have hit 70 points. So you know it can happen. Is it just that one year where he just did well, right? Is he a Jonathan Chichu who had one good year? I don't know. We're going to find out, like I said. But I find it weird for a team that needs help scoring to be trading away 70-point players, player, sorry, one, one player, to acquire a potential player who can score goals who's coming off major shoulder surgery, right? Because if you remove Max Domi from that lit, right, regardless, let's take last season, for example. Montreal had one player, okay, break the 50-point plateau, I think. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Thomas Tatar, who is, by the way, a UFA at the end of next season. So, a lot of things going on there. Again, like I said, I eased my stance a little bit here. I understand. I don't like the term. I don't like the money. Not to a guy who has who has done very little for, for, for me, for, for the team. But hey, we'll live with what it is if anything is a buyout candidate. Now, Let's keep moving the wheel here. Um, the Ottawa Senators acquired Matt Murray. That was pretty good, right? 
So Matt Murray finds a new home. Pittsburgh gave Tristan Jerry some money. Matt Murray needed a new home. He found his new home. He also found money, right? Because Ottawa then gave him a four-year deal at $6.25 million, which is pretty nice for a goalie who did not play well. Now, you're leaving. Here's my thing with Matt Murray is he's what? 20, 26, 26. Okay. So he's 26. He's in the prime of his career. He has two Stanley Cups, which is what people keep telling me. He's a Stanley Cup winner. I say, fine. Okay. But you do not pay for past success. You pay for future success. Players want to get paid on what they've done. GMs and owners sign checks for what players can do. What will you do in the future? Will you maintain that money? Will you maintain, sorry, will you maintain that value? Are you going to continue? Are you going to deliver two Stanley Cups to the Ottawa Senators? Is that why you're asking that money? Is he a franchise goalie? I don't know because he didn't do much in Pittsburgh that last year. Okay. And again, you handed out $6.25 million for four years to a goalie coming off an 899 save percentage. Okay. His playoff numbers look really good because he faced the Montreal Canadiens in three games. Montreal can score on anybody. So yeah, his 2.5 and his 9.14 save percentage look real good on paper. But again, you know, it's been difficult. He was, you know, he was better last season. He played more. But this was a, a really steep decline. And I guess in a way you can look at it and say, okay, well, Pittsburgh was not healthy either. And then I reply to those people and say, yeah, Tristan Jerry played in front of the same team. So that that to me goes out the window. I don't buy saying, okay, well, the Pittsburgh Penguins are beat up and they, you know, their entire team was hurt at one point. Sure, your backup goalie you just gave money to as well, who now becomes your de facto starter. I mean, you know, he also had to deal with the same team in front of him, right? Tristan Jerry is no different. He's one year younger, by the way. He does. He costs you almost half the money because they signed him the three-year deal as well. And to me, again, the part that really stood out for me is the save percentage. Because Murray's got an 899 save percentage, 921 for Tristan Jarry. To me, I'm not worried about goals against average and stuff like that. I want to see how many pucks do you stop? How often do you stop pucks? And again... Tristan Jarry played, he he only played one playoff game, right? And he was good in it. He was good. He's a little bit unproven. I give you that. But man, Ottawa just handing out money like it's going out of style. I'm interested to see how this is because, I mean, we all know the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Ottawa Senators are not the same team. So you're going to a really bad defensive team to a team that is rebuilding and struggling who you know team with a massive amount of money that they need to spend just to hit the cap floor and they're i mean they're they're gonna be nowhere near the cap so i don't know man memory got paid we will say that he got his money good for him Let's keep it rolling here. Let's see some other ones. I mean, Nick Bonino's heading to Minnesota. I don't think that affects anybody's fantasy pool, really. Uh, let's keep rolling here. Draft picks, draft picks, draft picks. Nobody really cares about draft picks. Let's keep rolling here. 
these are just the trades that we're going to look at now. We're going to talk about some signings later. Um, Eric Branson's in Ottawa, so obviously the defense gets even worse in front of Matt Murray. That's good. Uh, Ryan Murray is heading to New Jersey. Um, that's an interesting one. Ryan Murray is hurt a lot. <laughs> so maybe a change of scenery here will do him some good. Um, but yeah, just... He's played a full 82 games in a season once. So I guess he isn't what he is, but he's going to go to New Jersey. Paul Stashney is heading back to Winnipeg. This is a deal that I like for the Winnipeg Jets. I really do because the Jets needed, you know, first of all, Vegas had to move money. Okay. Vegas had to move money. We knew they were going to make a pitch to Petrangelo. They ended up signing him. Good for them. They needed to get... They needed somebody to come in. Now, you know, Statue's got a really bulky $6.5 million cap hit. So you got to eat that money and you got to eat it hard. Okay. You also have to deal with Brian Little, who is now on IR, who has been told by doctors he should probably not play next season. So you have a glaring hole on your second line. So by adding... Paul Snatch. You add him for one year. So if Little doesn't play, you get Stashley for one year. It's not a long commitment that you have to worry about, right? The Jets have a lot of money tied up in a lot of different players for a long time, right? Because they, according to Cap Friendly, as of today, they have $27,000 left in cap space. Okay? They are tight. They still have three RFAs to sign, by the way. So... This is a puzzle for them that they will need to handle. Who knows how they do it? Anyways, adding Paul Stashney is a, you know, it's a good deal. Vegas gets out of some money. That's what they needed. Good for them. Um, Brandon Saad is heading to Colorado. I, you know, Nikita Zadorov went the other way, which is fine, I guess. Brandon Saad going to Colorado is just, Colorado needs some depth. Okay, they need some players to show up. Their top line is really good. Okay, Nazem Kadri's been pretty good. Brandon Sod can now slide into a very good Colorado offense, and I think that's going to help him be good. If I'm looking at a player, you know, that I want to add late in fantasy hockey at some point, should we ever have a season one day, maybe around January, here's a player I'm going to probably want to target later on in rounds because Brandon Sod can score goals, right? He's only 27, by the way, in case you forgot. Like, I feel like he's been around a long time. But, you know, he's here. He's he's still got a lot of money on the books, which is fine, right? I think they held on to a million dollars each year, Colorado. So I think that's not bad. Brandon Saad could put up some points. He's a 50-point guy. Let's, let's say what he is here. Uh, and those better seasons that he had came when he was playing... In Columbus, right? So he's about a 30-goal guy, 20-some-odd assists. He can definitely benefit from playing with some really talented players, right? Chicago has them. Chicago's just not a great team anymore. It is what it is at that point. But that's a deal that I really, really like, that I think can go well. Other deals that I really like, Devin Taves is going to Colorado. Isn't that nice? Colorado just... Low-key adding good players here. And Nate Schmidt, right? Vegas, again, had to move out some money. Vancouver is losing players left, right, and center. So 
they pick up Nate Schmidt. Good for them. Let's go to the signings part here because this is the part that I wanted to keep track of. There are still a ton of free agents that need to get signed. The more, you know, more importantly, I guess Mike Hoffman still doesn't have a deal. I have been impressed. I will say this about GMs, and this is probably due to COVID and everything that went on. There are not that many terrible contracts that have been handed out. Like we've seen in previous years some, I mean, we've seen some pretty bad contracts, okay? Like really, really bad contracts. And I mean, I haven't seen any of those. I've seen some questionable ones, right? That's fair. I have seen some questionable ones, but nothing so outrageous that you're like, wow, this is going to end in a buyout immediately. Okay? None of that. So I haven't seen any of that. But anyways, let's go through a couple of things here. Alexander Gorgiev, the Rangers have a deal with him, right? Two years, 4.85. Good signing for the Rangers. Their future is locked up. Uh, mentioned earlier, Dodonov is heading to Ottawa. Okay, three years, 15 mil, 5 million a year. That's a good ad for Ottawa, and I'll tell you why. They need somebody to do something there, okay? They still have $21 million in cap space, okay? So this is a team that's handed out some money. They still have some RFAs that they need to sign and whatnot. But, you know, by default, the Donov becomes their most, most, the highest paid forward on their team, which is saying something about this team. He's 31, right? Which is fine, right? It's okay. He's still got some couple of years to go. The term is good. By that point, it'll be what? 34 turning 35? Eh. Contract's ending is fine. He can be a deadline deal or something if you're not competitive at that point. You need somebody to be on the team. So I think that's a good one here. The most important signing of the day ever, anywhere in life, was Brendan Gallagher getting his six million, six and a half million dollar deals for the next six years. I was about to lose my shit when I heard that talks between Gallagher's camp and the Canadians had broken off. And I was like, excuse me? Uh, no. No, no. No, 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 no. Right? Brendan Gallagher is the heart and soul of the Montreal Canadiens. If, they were, if this would have dragged on, apparently there was just a misunderstanding between player agent and GM. Everything was fixed the next day. Fine. Because he is the heart and soul of that Montreal Canadiens offense. It goes through him, regardless of what you want to say, right? And I could understand maybe Gallagher being a little bit pissed off. You're giving Josh Anderson this money and term. And hi, by the way, I've been underpaid for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I'd like to be paid my money. Which is fair. Brendan Gallagher still has, he still has one year left at $3.75 million. What an absolute bargain that is, by the way, for him, right? He's 28, so he still has some good years left to him. He's not aging here. At 6.5, he's going to be the highest paid Montreal Canadiens forward at some point, which is perfectly fine with me. Right now, that is held to Jonathan Drouin and Josh Anderson. I know, says a lot, right? But anyways, anyways. Good for Gallagher on getting that signing. He deserves it. Like I said, he was underpaid, underpaid. I mean, look, five years at 3.75 is a bargain. It's an absolute bargain. So the Montreal Canadiens have got, they got the maximum out of this player that they could. And he continues to drive. Is he, he is a 30 goal scorer. Easily. He's not going to get the goals. He is a smaller version of Josh Anderson. So again, I don't know why we need to go out and get a big version 
But if Anderson plays with the heart that Gallagher has, maybe we'll be okay here. But, like I said, good for Brendan Gallagher. He deserves all that money. Montreal kept it going. They also gave Jake Allen some money, which is good. I am perfectly happy. Jake Allen's deal is coming up. Okay, He's making 4.35. Now he's going to make 2.85. Welcome to Montreal, bud. I think he's settled in here to be the backup. Important thing here, which a lot of people don't understand. He does not have a no-movement clause. Because these no-movement clause and these no-trade clause are going to be real important. So a no-trade clause means a player has a modified list of something and he says, I can't go to another team. A no-movement clause okay, means he is protected from the expansion draft and Seattle is entering the league next year. That's right. It feels like forever, but it's coming up here. So a player with a no-movement clause must be protected. So by default, right, all these teams have to, you know, submit a goalie on the list, right? And Montreal now has that goalie. It's Jake Allen, okay? So if Seattle wants to claim him, take that money, fine. Montreal says, not a problem. Two-year deal means as well the kids, right? And Laval can take some time, develop. 2.85 is not a bad deal for a guy who's 30 years old who can definitely give you some good games in there. It's a nice deal. I like it. Well done, Bergey. Uh, let's go through rapid fire here a little bit here. Aaron Dell signed in Toronto. That's really interesting. I can't believe he couldn't find a job in the NHL as a backup goalie that he has to go to Toronto as the third string goalie for 800000 But, I mean, look, he did play in San Jose. So the numbers don't look great. But I just thought maybe he could have gotten you know a deal somewhere else. Um, the ageless Patrick Marlowe is returning to San Jose. I know. Raise your hand if you're surprised. Um, I mean, it's it's great, really. You know, it's amazing. He's what, like 50-some-odd games short of reaching the all-time record for games played? Like, man, this guy is a warrior, and I love it. A uh, couple of other deals. Let's go through here. Alex Petrangelo got paid. So Vegas needed to figure out their situation. Um, they did. They basically liquidated a whole bunch of money. They have no cap space left. Um, they've given Petrangelo a ton of money. But this is now a really good team. You got Petrangelo. You got Shea Theodore. You got Alex Martinez. I'll throw in Zach Whitecloud in there. I think he can be good, right? McNabb and Holden. This is a really good defensive core of players, okay? Now, Petrangelo's deal goes on for ages, right? So obviously what's going to happen here for him is at one point um, that contract's going to age poorly, right? He's 30 years old now. He's going to be 37 when that deal runs up. $8.8 million. I mean, he did say that the more that he approached, you know, that he got closer to free agency, the more he was willing to leave St. Louis. So he leaves St. Louis. That leaves him with a hole. St. Louis just didn't have the money. Right, so they signed Tory Crew. We'll take a look at that deal as well. Eight point eight is a lot of money. Right, interesting that he's taking less money at the beginning. Right, because let's not forget. Remember that term escrow. You know the term we only hear about when they're negotiating the CBA, and it's perfectly fine if we leave it like that, so we never have to worry about it again. Remember when players were front loading their contracts? Right. So Petrangelo did it differently here. He backloaded it instead. So you're going to probably get Petrangelo playing all the way until the end here. Um, because he's collecting, I mean, 30, $34.8 million 
uh, between 2023-2024 and 2025-2026. So in three years, he's collecting a basically half of that money, right? He's going to collect, right, base salary in the first two years is $2 million, right? $1 million in 2022-2023. So again, who knows how escrow is going to work, right? Players got to pay. Their escrow is hitting what? 18% coming up this year. Like they got to get back a whole bunch of money to the NHL. Obviously, the NHL didn't make any money here. I mean, they still made money, not as much. But anyways, all that to say, I do like this deal for Vegas. I do. I think it's a good one. I think it's long, but I think that's what it costs to get them here. And hey, Vegas has a legit shot at doing something, right? Because they locked up Robin Leonard as well, which is interesting as well. Um, Leonard's got to deal with some stuff, though, because he is hurt. But look... Marc-Andre Fleury's there. Robin Leonard's there. This is a team that can definitely compete every year in the playoffs. Adding Petrangelo only makes your team better. So, good for them. Um, Alexi Lafreniere signed his entry-level deal. Give him a prop. Shout-out to Alexi. Number one overall pick in the draft. To the surprise of no one. But, man, good for him. Um, He deserves it. Shit, man, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what Breadman and Lafreniere are gonna do together, man. Like the Rangers also have Capo Caco, and I think we forget that he exists because he had a difficult kind of year. Um, but yeah, man, I can't wait to see. Montreal just kept the ball rolling here by signing Tyler Toffoli. Now this is a deal that I absolutely love, and this deal in my mind almost didn't happen. Because the Montreal Canadiens are sitting there handing out garbage money to players like Joel Edmondson because you absolutely need that defenseman and Josh Anderson because apparently you absolutely need that for as well. Anyways, Tyler Toffoli is a winger that can do something. He can score goals. He is a good two-way player. He definitely fits the motto of what, you know, MB is looking for. And you got him at a respectable price. 4.25 for a guy who's 28 for four years? Man. Like, he got a boost in salary, which is, I mean, a boost. Not really. He took a little bit less money, but I guess that's what the market was worth, right? 4.6 was the deal he was coming off, right? Now he's making 4.25. Not a big one, but, I mean, he's going to find out Montreal taxes are pretty bad here. So, you know, this is a player who has scored 30 goals in his career, okay? He, to me, he is a player who can hit 50 points consistently, I think he can be a 60-point player. He's never gotten there. But this is a guy... I mean, he was buried in Los Angeles at one point, And it absolutely shocks me that the LA Kings couldn't figure out how to use this guy. Okay? When you're playing him on the third line because you need to give Brown, Dustin Brown, remember him? Yeah, we kind of forget he exists. But when you have to give him ice time on the top line with your best player, Kopitar... It astounds me. Look, he had a tough 2018-2019. His 2020, 2019-2020 season was, I mean, it was better, I guess. He played well in Vancouver, right? Here's the problem, though. He played, like, Vancouver paid a steep price to get this guy to come over in a trade, and you don't sign him. He gave you 10 regular season games and 7 playoff games. You paid for 17 games. You paid a steep price for 17 games. I am more than happy that he is in a Habs uniform. More than happy. 
so he can contribute in that top six or top nine even, right? You can have a really good third line with Tyler Toffoli on it. That's there to score goals, by the way. Eh? I know people say top six, bottom six. I mean, in the years where the Penguins were the most competitive hockey team on the face of the earth, basically, right? When they had Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl down the middle, you know, you had three lines who could do some damage. So there's nothing wrong in Montreal if you had three lines doing damage, by the way. You can have that. It's okay, right? Society, we can live with that. But man, I am excited for Tyler Toffoli to be here. And again, it almost boggles my mind because, I mean, we'll go down a little bit or we'll talk about this one as well, um, right? They were linked to Wayne Simmons. And a part of me was sitting there going, you don't need Wayne Simmons to be part of your team. You don't need it. So if you're going to start, like Wayne Simmons took less money to go to Toronto. And that is the only time in life I've ever been rooting so hard for Montreal, for Toronto to beat Montreal. I was like, please. He got more money from the Montreal Canadiens and he turned down to play in Toronto. Like, thank God. Thank you, Wayne Simmons. That's the gift that keeps on giving here. My God, MB, wake up. All right. Let's not stay too long there. So yeah, that was done as well. Um, here's the biggest fish, I think, and it's Taylor Hall. So I'm not really shocked that he didn't return to Arizona, right? Arizona is a dumpster fire of a team basically right now, regardless of how great they think they can be. Um, they're not getting it done. So it's no shock to me that Taylor Hall wanted to get the fuck out of there and say, Hey, I'll go somewhere else. Now he's taken a lot of heat because he chose Buffalo. I'm going to be honest. This is not where I thought he was going. I don't think anybody picked him. I thought he was going to Columbus. Like Columbus was moving cap space. And I was like, well, this seems like a good fit for a guy who wants to go somewhere. He didn't. He took $8 million and said, I'm going to go to Buffalo on a one-year deal. Now, there are a lot of people who I understand what he's doing here. Okay, The market for Taylor Hall was probably really, really dry. You're a guy who's trying to get paid going to a team that can possibly win. Here's the thing. Teams that suck have money to spend, right? I.e. the Buffalo Sabres. The Ottawa Senators of the world. They have Detroit. Detroit, can't forget the Red Wings, right? These are garbage teams that have money to spend. So if you want to get paid, you're going to have to go to a bad team. Or you can sign a longer-term deal, take less money, and go to a competitor, Right? There's a flat cap going around. People are not sure what money's going to look like. Like I said, there were like GMs were playing their pockets real tight, which is weird because GMs are not good at, you know, finances. Look at how many teams have so many problems with their cap. So Taylor Hall says, "Fine. I'll take one year deal and I'll go play with Jack Eichel. That should be fun." Right? I'm going to go to a team that's, you know, game script says I'm going to be losing a lot going to be giving up a lot of goals, right? Buffalo is a terrible city. They're on my 10-team no train, right, from the last podcast. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't want to sign there. And Taylor Hall's sitting there going, yeah, fuck yeah. And it was interesting listening to him talk because he said Buffalo wanted. It's nice to feel wanted. And it's nice it is. And I get the flack that he's going to take, Right? Because he's played 14 career playoff games, nine of them coming with Arizona. Previous to this playoff run, he had five playoff games experience. Now, 
it's understandable when a lot of people look at him and say, okay, but like you played for Edmonton during the garbage years. Then you joined New Jersey. And, you know, outside of that one season where you basically carried the team to the playoffs, you know, they never returned. And New Jersey's in a rebuild. And then you go to Arizona. A team that's supposed to be good. This is a defensive first-minded team and you struggle to score goals, right? Colorado just wiped the floor with them. Of course, the whole Oliver ekman Larson just debacle with him maybe leaving or trade. Like, of course he doesn't want to sign there. And then I'm listening to some people talk and they're saying, oh man, Taylor Hall's on his third team, man. In less than however many years. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold the fuck. Like, pardon my langage. But are you insinuating that Taylor Hall is a problem? Because I can, he's probably not, okay? And the assumption that he's playing for a third team in three years. I mean, I they're, made, they're not the same player. Don't get me wrong here. But I'm pretty sure Marion Hosa played for three different teams in three years in a chase to win three Stanley Cups. And he finally got one on the third try. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. There are lots of players moving to, you know, their third team in less than three years. That doesn't make them a problem. Taylor Hall was not going to get his long-term deal from the Arizona Coyotes. He could have returned to New Jersey, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to go back there. Right? He wants to get paid. There was He was linked to going to Edmonton. He's, he, I mean, he could have, but maybe they didn't have the money. So the So Taylor Hall, being to me the smart guy that he is, says, hey, I'll take one year. You're going to give me $8 million? I'll get paid. Maybe they didn't want to give him $8 million for seven years just yet. And maybe he doesn't want to be in Buffalo all year. Guess what? Maybe he gets traded at the deadline. And then maybe he signs somewhere else other than the team that traded for him at the deadline. And that still doesn't make him a problem player, by the way. Because I was reading these tweets and going, what the fuck? Like, he was linked to coming to Montreal, and I'm like, no, Montreal doesn't have that money, obviously. They're not going to sign him. They just gave Josh Anderson a boatload of money instead, right? So again, to me, Taylor Hall played this perfectly, which, by the way, Tyson Berry did as well. Tyson Berry took less money to go play in Edmonton. Yeah, right? Clefbaum seems to be out for a while. He's hurt. So who do you think is going to quarterback the top power play unit for a team that was almost hitting at 30% on the power play? That's going to be Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry is going to be the type of player who finishes next season with 60 points and then signs a six-year deal for $7 million because some GM just had to overpay him, right? This is, to me, Tyson Berry... And Taylor Hall played it like that. They went to go play on teams that are going to be bad. Or, I mean, maybe Edmonton's not bad. But they're going to score goals. They're going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. And the Buffalo Sabres are going to be very fun to watch. For once, I'm going to be excited at looking at this team. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe they'll be competitive. Because you look at their top six for a minute, okay? Now that Taylor Hall has showed up, okay? You have Jack Eichel on the top line. You got Taylor Hall there. And you got Sam Reinhardt there as well, okay? Sam Reinhardt, by the way, and Victor Olofsson, they still need some money. But assuming nothing happens here, Victor Olofsson on your second line, right? You got Jeff Skinner, and you got Eric Stahl. 
Your top six looks really, really good. Granted, it might be for one year. Eric Stahl's on a one-year deal. He's got one year left. Taylor Hall's a one-year deal. If your team sucks at the trade deadline, you offshore both of them if you want, and you get assets in return. Right? Because Jack Eichel's making 10 mil a year. Jeff Skinner's making nine. I'm pretty sure Taylor Hall's looking at Jeff Skinner going, man, I want a piece of whatever he's getting. So, like, Buffalo has a lot of money tied up in their offense. Their defense is an absolute dumpster fire, of course, outside of Rasmus Dahlin, who's still trying to grow into the position. But, you know, this is not a team that's going to do very well. But they're going to be fun to watch. Jack Eichel now has a new toy, and I bet you they're going to play a lot together and have fun. I expect success out of them. And maybe this flops the same way, you know, when Phil Kessel was leaving Toronto, and then he showed up in Pittsburgh... And he had like 40 goals playing with Tyler Bozak. And people all of a sudden started thinking he was going to score 50 and 60 and, you know, goals in Pittsburgh playing with Malkin and Crosby. And it just never happened. Maybe it doesn't here as well. But I'll tell you one thing. Taylor Hall played this exactly how he should have. He said, hey, let me make this year a contract year. Escrow is going to eat all my money anyways. Let me take a one-year deal. I'll go to a terrible city. It's not really fun. I'm going to have some fun, score some goals. Then maybe I'll get, you know boost up my value again, finish with 90-some-odd points, and I'll sign a nice long-term deal on a competitive team once we find out what's happening with the cap. Beautiful. Maybe he signs another one-year deal in Buffalo. I don't know. All I'm saying is Taylor Hall's character is not the problem. He has, it's, not to do, it's not because he's a problem player. Like If you told me Max Domi's a problem player, sure. Maybe he is. But he gets traded every couple of years to a new team. Right? Taylor Hall, it's not that, I mean, I'm sure Arizona would love to sign him. They just didn't have the money. And it's not that he was traded because he was not good. I mean, Edmonton traded him for a one-for-one deal because they thought they were getting a top defenseman. You know, New Jersey traded him because, well, they wanted to rebuild and get some assets and he wasn't willing to go there full-time. He wasn't willing to sign a full, you know, long-term deal to stay there. That's it? Just sometimes I read shit and I'm like, where the fuck does this come from? Anyways, to me, I think Taylor Hall played that perfectly. So kudos to him. Well done. I can't wait. I, I, like, I'm excited to watch Buffalo play hockey. Whole, like 2020 is absolute madness. Absolute madness. Uh, let's go through a couple more here. Jimmy Vesey with Toronto. Not really important from a fantasy perspective. Don't really care. Tyson Berry, like I said, took less money. One-year deal, 3.75. He's going to go play with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. I can't imagine how much fun he's going to have on the power play. I can't. I can't imagine. It's so much fun. Right? This is going to be a very offensively friendly team, right? Assuming Jesse Pujarvi returns to the NHL, which he could, right? Kaylor Yamamoto's here. He's a pretty good player as well, by the way. Right? They, they, they got some guys who can do things here, right? Their defense is what it is, right? Darnell Nurse is still there. Really good player. But, I mean, Tyson Berry is going to be the QB on that power play. I assume so. Again, 
assuming Oscar Clefbaum can't play due to injury. So, man, shout out to him for doing what he needs to do, right? Uh, Mike Smith is returning to Edmonton, so that's what's going to make sure that um, the Edmonton Oilers continue to trail and lose games. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty good there. Uh, man, shout out to Miko Koivu who found, who signed a one-year deal in Columbus, man. Good for him. I think he can definitely help a team. I think going to Columbus, Columbus needed some depth at center. They have their two centermen's. Bringing in an experienced player like Miko Koivu to eat up some minutes, a perfect John Tortorella type of player, defensively minded first forward. Now he's, I mean, he's older. This is what we can expect from him. You know, just good for him. Good for him. Um, Detroit did the thing, right? They signed a goalie, Thomas Grice. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I don't know how I feel about this. We're going to find out if Thomas Grice is a system goalie or if he's a good goalie. Because now he is leaving the Barry Trotz Palace of Magic. And he's heading to Detroit where they're going to get absolutely bombarded every night. So, good for him. I mean, look, he's 34. He went to go get some money. You know, that's where he is in his at this point of his career. And, again, nothing wrong with it. Um, I did touch on this one. We're going to go back to it. Tory Krug signed his seven-year deal, 6.5 in St. Louis. So I think when St. Louis figured out they weren't going to sign Petrangelo, they said, hey, let's move on to something else here. They moved on to something else. I think Tory Krug, right, he's one year younger than Petrangelo. They're obviously different players, okay? Petrangelo's a big, you know, defenseman and stuff. Tory Krug's a little bit smaller, Fun guy to watch. I think this is a this is a loss for the Boston Bruins that they could not retain him. From what I've read, Boston didn't even offer him a contract. Now, you do have Justin Falk and Tory Krug on the same team, so this is going to be absolutely fun to watch at times. They still have to give Vince Dunn a little bit of money, and they are currently one point one million dollars over the salary cap. So it's going to be real interesting to see just how they figure this out. But on paper, they replaced one good defenseman with a younger version of a good defenseman. He's he's he, To me, Tory Krug is pretty good. Is he going to live up to that money? I don't know. But you couldn't sign Petrangelo. You took a little bit less money. You still got a really good player. And I like it. I like it a lot. So I think that's pretty good. I'm excited to see how he plays what comes out of it, if they'll be competitive. But anyways, uh, TJ Brody's heading to Toronto. Let's see how that blows up in their face. The four-year deal, right? 20 mil, 5 million a year. Okay. Um, Corey Crawford signed in New Jersey. So Corey Schneider's not coming back. They signed another Corey and Corey Crawford. I was a little, I was intrigued that Chicago let him go. Because Chicago traded Robin Leonard, then they had to face him in the right. Then they faced him in the playoffs, and then they let Corey Crawford go. So now you started with a number one goalie and a Corey Crawford who had kind of redeemed himself a little bit here, and now you have a Malcolm Subban, which is, I mean, wow, that like that escalated real quick here. I think this is a great signing for New Jersey. I really do. I think Mackenzie Blackwood is the future there. I think Mackenzie Blackwood gets, 
right? Once he signs, going to get his starts. I think there's nothing wrong with having a really good Corey Crawford there for two years to help Blackwood when he needs. You can give Crawford the 30, you know, 30 plus starts that he needs to be good. You can do that. And look, I mean, the Devils have some money to spend, by the way. They, they have $18 million in cap space. Jesper Bratz in RFA. Mackenzie Blackwood's in RFA. They have five defensemen on NHL one-way contracts right now. So they kind of need something to figure out. And I was interested. I mean, you know that the New Jersey Devils are probably not going to spend to the cap here, right? They're not a cap team. We know that, which is the reason they bought out Corey Schneider. They needed to save some immediate money. And they took that money now over four years. So... It was interesting that they felt the need to do that to Corey Schneider, but I guess they needed, you know, give him a spot to go somewhere else and continue his career, which is fine by me. But I do like the Corey Crawford experiment. Um, New Jersey is better than Chicago defensively, so that might help him. It's a new place, new challenge, defensively minded, team first kind of mentality here instead of Chicago, which was run and gun offense and they weren't really good at playing any defense. So I think this does help Corey Crawford. I don't know where this puts him, though, fantasy-wise. I'm just hoping that it doesn't take too many starts from Mackenzie Blackwood. That's all I'm hoping for here. That's all I'm hoping for. Um, What else here? Let's keep going down here, man. Kevin Shattenkirk. Talk about him a little bit. He signs his three-year deal in, in Anaheim. It was amazing to me that... Right? Kevin Shattenkirk now has won his Stanley Cup. Congratulations to Kevin Shattenkirk. He had a really good season, right? Don't forget, he was let bought out by the Rangers. Rangers said, get out of here. We'll pay you to go play somewhere else. He's still getting paid by the Rangers, by the way. And now he signs his $3.9 million. He's going to Anaheim. He got his three-year deal. He's a Stanley Cup winner. He's going to help Anaheim, right? He's going to get the play in Anaheim. He's a guy who can definitely still quarterback a power play. So... You know, good for him. He's only 31, by the way. Like, he's not a million years old. Remember when Kevin Shattenkirk was, I think it was St. Louis, when he was leaving and he was supposed to get big money and stuff? Like, good for him for getting his career back on. I think he's I, I think he's still a really good player. And I think he can bring something important there. Um, let's keep going here. Run down the list. Uh, Chris Tanev signs in Calgary. Interesting, but okay. Um the one I really like here a lot is the Braden Holpe to Vancouver. So Jacob Markstrom signs in Calgary. Vancouver says, well, we can't retain you. So instead, we're going to sign Braden Holpe. And you say, okay, well, fine. Did you have to make that deal? I don't know. You needed a backup goalie. I think, I, I how can I say this properly? Um, we're going to find out just how good Thatcher Demko is this season okay because you bring in Brayden Holpe is only 31 he's coming off a disastrous season okay we could all agree on that he moves to a team here you know they're a good team but at some point Vancouver's gonna have a whole mess of salary problems they already have to find money for Jake Vertanen Adam Gaudet didn't get a qualifying offer um is that it uh, no, sorry. Adam Gaudet did not. Sorry. He's still an RFA. Um, 
I'm reading here something for ineligibility. Ineligible. It's not a necessary game professional sequence card for group two RFA status. Okay. I don't know what that means. Anyways. Important thing here is that Brain Holby can bring some stability. In my mind, Thatcher Demko is the starter. Because he did just enough for you to convince you, you know, the team and say, hey, maybe we don't need to give Jacob Markstrom the money that he's looking for. That's what he did. Now, that is a short sample of games for a really young goalie. Okay, Definitely a short sample. He played 27 games this season. Very basic numbers. Very basic. He played four playoff games, had a 0.64 goals against average and a .985 save percentage. Now, he's not repeating that in the regular season. Don't get any of that wrong, folks. Okay, But it's interesting that they were willing to move on and bring in Braden Holpe. Holpe, obviously, is a shorter term, less money. So it made sense to them. I hope it's not a timeshare. I can't trust Braden Holpe in fantasy hockey one bit. I can't. Because I really don't think he's going to be that good. I'm not willing to kind of dish out, like, dish out an early pick for him. Or I will not consider him the starter. If I can get Thatcher Demko a little bit later, that's where I'm probably going to invest most of my money. Because it, I mean, it just makes sense, right? Why wouldn't you? Jacob Markstrom's allowed to get his deal. He got $6 million. He kind of fits. He fills a need for the Calgary Flames and what they need. You get a good goalie. He's going to be 36 by the end of the deal, but you deal with that when you get there. Markstrom solidifies something that the Calgary Flames needed. Goaltending. You got your goalie. I still think that the Calgary Flames have a you know, a good team. I think defensively, they are still pretty good. I think Calgary, this is a big year for them. It's a not a make or break kind of thing, okay? But, right, you have Matthew Kachuk, who has two years left on his deal, okay? Johnny Goudreau's 27. He's got two years left on his deal. Sean Monaghan has three years left on his deal. So there's a lot of short-term contracts here. Mark Giordano's 37. He has two years left on his deal. If you think you're a Stanley Cup com, com, like contending team, you have two years to do it until all hell breaks loose, right? That's basically it. You've given Markstrom money for six, but you have two legit years of probably getting shit done. So again, because that calorie team is going to look real different once players start to age. And who knows if Giordano will, you know, I mean, he's going to be, what, 39 by the end of it? Like, he's not going to get any better. So, age at one point will catch up to the ageless wonder. Um, but, yeah, good for Markstrom, man. He went and he got the money. And, like I said, Vancouver replaced him with, I guess, what they feel is equal talent. And if Holpe can rebound and be the goalie that he's, you know, capable of being, then he's fine. Um, but yeah, let's keep going here. Anton Hudobin, man, good for him. For he, he got his three-year deal, 3.3. This guy led the team. Good for Dallas locking him up long-term-ish. Um, Kyle Turris is heading to Edmonton. I think that's a good signing as well. Gives Edmonton that much-needed depth. Um, Cam Talbot's going to find his career real freaking long because now he's in Minnesota on a three-year deal. I mean, Minnesota needed a goalie. Cam Talbot's a goalie. So, 
I think Cam Talbot can still be decent, but the term is not bad. The money's not bad. It makes sense, I guess. Uh, Bobby Ryan was bought out, so he's going to Detroit on a one-year, $1 million deal. Um, I think, obviously, he can bring something to a team that needs some leadership. So getting Bobby Ryan in there is not terrible. I think it's a pretty good deal, and hey, we'll go through it. Um, let's keep going here. A couple more for wrap this up. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is heading to Washington. Uh, man, on a one D one year, one point five million. Man, it's gonna be real different to see the King in any other jersey that's not red, white, and blue. But man, I so I wanted to do a podcast earlier than I did it now. Right, time obviously catches up to me sometimes. I didn't have time, but. When I was going through the list, I, I was going to go through a list pre-free agency on where I thought some players would go. And I had Henrik Lundqvist, swear to God, had Henrik Lundqvist on the list for Washington. It was going to be a question of money. I thought he would get more than 1.5. I'm going to be honest with you. But maybe he says, hey, I want to go to Washington. I want to chase that Stanley Cup. Which is perfectly fine if that's how he wanted to do it. Because now you're going to find out just how good Ilya Samsonov really is. Is he... Is he legit or is he not? Okay? Because he did pretty well. He's 23. He's got one year left on his deal. Now, he was very, very decent. Very. And, again, we're just going to have to find out what type of goal he is. I think Henrik Lundqvist can still play well. I think playing in Washington is going to be okay for him. He can lead by example here. He can help the kid. I think that's good for his development as well. And I thought, again, I thought it was interesting. I, th- I thought there were a lot of places that he could have gone, right? I thought maybe Colorado might have taken a stab at him considering, you know, what happened to them in the playoffs, their goaltenders being hurt and the depth. I think he wanted to go to a team where he knew maybe he had a chance at being a starter or could at least, you know, play and be on a competitive team. I think that's important for him, right? He's 38. Maybe he's trying to chase the Stanley Cup here. If for whatever reason the Caps are out of a playoff push, you know, they can move him at the deadline somewhere, chase the Stanley Cup. Doesn't matter. To me, this is the 1.5 is a really, you know, that's a team-friendly deal in my mind. That's a really good deal for Washington because they got an established backup goalie here who can still play. And they get one year to see just how good Samsonov is before they give him some money should they choose to go down that route. But yeah, man, Henrik Lundqvist got that out of the way early. Good for him. I want him to have success because I I mean, I, I want to see him win a cup, man. Absolutely. Uh, keep shouting through here. Dominic Kubalik, two years, 3.7. Remember him? Just came out flying out of the gate, scoring goals and going out of style. That's right. 30 goal score. Now we're about to find out. He got his money's worth. 3.7 for a 30 goal score one time. I know. He takes a short term deal. He's going to find out if he can play. Right? Because that's always the thing, right? Can he play? That's what you want to know with players. Can they play? Can they be what they what you want them to be? Some goalies, yes. Some goalies, not. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. We'll wrap it up here. Like I said, Robin Leonard. Tristan Jerry got his money. Three years, 3.5. Robin Leonard. That's the deal that I like here. Five years, $5 million. What an amazing story it is 
I think it's amazing just to see Robin Leonard get to where he is today. This is a guy who, as we know, he's talked about it, battled addiction, battled mental health issues, right? I mean, the way he kind of, you know, he was really good in Long Island and then they didn't really give him contracts and stuff. His career up in limbo here a little bit. I mean, he goes to Chicago. This is a really bad team, right? And he stands on his head and he's, you know, really good. And then he just comes into Vegas. Marc-Andre Fleury's the starter, gets an opportunity here, solidifies that role, and now gets paid with a long-term deal. Like I said, he, he was re- like he was really good with, with the Islanders, right? I mean, I guess we can't really talk about how he was with Ottawa, right? There was a lot of things going on there. Buffalo was a tough time for him as well. You know, he really turned it around when he was in Ottawa. Uh, not Ottawa, oh, sorry, with, with the Islanders. I mean, he posted a 930 save percentage, a 2.13. 930 save percentage is pretty good. He went to Chicago, a 3.01 goals against, goals against average, but a 918 save percentage. So he's given up three goals, but he's stopping almost 92% of the shots. He goes to Vegas. He only played three games in the regular season for Vegas. Only three. And they were pretty good. Right? And then he gets 16 games. And he's even and, and, and he was outstanding. So good for Robin Leonard. I'm glad that he got his contract. He got his money that he deserves. He's worked hard to be here. He's a feel-good story to me. And I really like, right? I mean, people who know me know how much I care about mental health, how it's affected me. So I love this story of a player who had to battle the odds to get to where he is today. And regardless of how you feel about Flurry and that situation and whatnot, he's earned the right to be a starting goalie in the NHL. He's 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 done what he's needed to do to prove. And this isn't a short sample, right? He was good in Long Island. He was good in Chicago, you know, taking all, you know, the team into consideration there. And he was good in Vegas. So again, He is now on his fourth team in three years. Is Robin Leonard a problem? No. Just like Taylor Hall isn't. Robin Leonard's not a problem. He's a feel-good story here. I love it. I love hearing things like that. I'm excited for him. Like I said, it's a feel-good story for me. I'm really happy that he he got that deal. Because he deserves it. He's done what he's needed to do to be where he is. And yeah, those are just, like I said, we skipped over. There were a lot of signings here. We can't go through all of them. Most of them are not, you know, they won't affect your fantasy team very much, your real life very much. You probably will. You'll probably end up waking up one morning, right? No, not even. You'll watch a game, right? Regular season might happen. You'll see this player in the lineup. be like, what? When was he traded to this? When did he? How? What? That's the reaction I get to some players. Or when it comes time to fantasy hockey draft season, right? I'll be like, when did he sign here? And where was I when this happened, right? But yeah, man, it was it was amazing. There's so much still going on. There's still some players who need to sign, right? Um, hopefully, I do a podcast again sooner rather than later. Just, man, COVID is not slowing down my life. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, that's the podcast for today. 
Thank you so much for listening. I know this is a long one, but if you stuck till the end with me, thank you so much. As always, man, make sure you follow the podcast at Slapshot Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You rate the podcast in your favorite platform. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Podbean. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. Man, hit the YouTube page as well. If you follow my YouTube page as well, you can listen to it there. You can catch all kinds of great content that's there as well if you enjoy that. Just... Yeah, man. Thank you so much to everybody who listens. Thank you so much to everybody who, you know, tells me when's your next podcast coming. I know. I know. I know. But much love to everybody who listens. Thank you so much. We will talk to each other soon. Bye-bye.